Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Uh, Good morning. Uh, Again, we, we are so grateful that you've joined us. We're so glad that you've started this new semester with us, and we are excited to talk about this. Thing that I have a video of right here. I, I, I thought the cootie thing was true, but it's not. Because I kiss my mom all the time and I don't get cooties. A lot of the boys are very shy, and a lot of the girls are very talkative. Most of the boys have crushes on girls. Like, let's say this is a girl and this is a boy. My best friend, Michael, I promised to get him a wingman, and he was my wingman. It's like, wingman the wingman. Well, there's one boy that we know has a crush on. She has a crush on him. Everyone knows it. It's just they don't know it. Well, the one who picks on everybody, he he said it to me that he had a crush on me. Some boys are mean to girls when they like them, so they think they'll get hang around with them more. That's not the way to get them to like you back. You have to show respect of kindness. Me and my other couple friends, we went up to Ariella and we're like, talk to Ethan. So she said hi and they started talking and then we came up because she walked away and she said he said no and turned me down. So we're like, what? I think third grade girls are smarter. Most boys now in my class respect girls. Some boys just aren't like that. They think it's ew, that kissing, but it's really a part of life, you know? You know, the desire to find the one. Man, it's a desire that hits us early. It hits us hard. Uh, it sticks around. And it's really, it's just a part of life, you know? Like, that's just, that's just the way it goes. Many of us, man, we can remember our, our first crush, right? Maybe our current crush. And they're here. Don't look at them, right? Like, maybe you kind of like, 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 oh, no. Uh, uh, our first kiss, maybe. Our worst kiss. A lot of times that's the same kiss, right? We don't... But we have that. Maybe we have our, our memories of our first date, man, our worst date. Maybe that person's in here again, so don't look. You know, like, ah. Man, we remember, we remember these moments of this journey of romance that we've entered upon, that we started goodness knows when and continues to today. And the reality is that we're left with these memories, we're left with these experiences, we're left with uh, being able to remember our first heartbreak and and our recent frustration. And and we can remember uh, the tears that we've cried and we can remember the tears that that we've caused and we can remember the heights of love and we can remember the depths of of rejection and we can remember the uncertainty of conflict and we can remember the destruction of abuse and the pain of loneliness and the shame of trying to fill that loneliness with something or someone that just made it worse. And the reality is that we are all hit at some point with that desire. It hits early, it hits hard. And while it can lead to incredible joy, it can lead also to immense sorrow. And we've been hit. And many of us are still wondering, how do I even respond to this? The Lord God, our creator, has designed all of us for community. He's designed all of us to need other people in community. And he's designed most of us, the vast majority of us, for companionship. 
not only to join a group, but in fact, to join a person, to join uh, an individual, to pair off. And and over the next four weeks, we're, we're gonna look at that. We're gonna look at what he desires for our relationships and for our romance. We're gonna look from singleness to dating to marriage. We're gonna look at the principles that God has provided for our pursuit of the one. And today what we're doing is we're starting off just looking at the foundation, at ground zero, at that first piece. We're looking at that desire. The desire that we have to find the one. And we're asking, where does this come from? Where does it lead? And how does it intersect with the Lord's desires for our lives? We see it pop up in Genesis chapter 2. When Adam and Eve, or sorry, just when Adam is in the garden, uh, the Garden of Eden, the, the beginning of creation, the, the fertile beginning bread basket bowl of where all humanity began, God creates all of the earth. He creates all these other creatures, all these other animals, and, and then he creates Adam. And, and as Adam is in the garden, God tells him, hey, I need you to have dominion over these things and these creatures. You, you're gonna be naming them, kind of then showing, demonstrating your ownership over them. And as Adam is seeing all these creatures and as they're coming forth and he's naming them, you're like, Ardvark, mm, dog. Like he's, as he's going through, they, he's noticing, hey, they're all like paired up. Like they've all got like a buddy, uh, a really good, good buddy. And I realize as Adam that I don't really have that. And so the Lord looks at Adam and he says, yeah, you know what? This isn't good. And he says, so I'm going to make someone for you. And so he brings, he puts Adam to sleep and he takes out his rib. He takes out a piece of his side and he forms Eve. And we see in Genesis chapter two, verse 22, that the Lord made woman from the part he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. He brings Eve to Adam. And then the man said, this one at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. He says, this is Isha. I was Isha, and this is Isha. He says, this is this woman who is, who is my companion, who is my, my, my indispensable companion, and she's here at last, right? The word here, uh, the Hebrew that's being used uh, is hapayam, which I'm sure you're like, oh yeah, hapayam. No, hapayam which means finally, like that's how it's generally translated, just finally, at last, now, at last, she's here. At last, you've brought this companion to me. He says, oh, I've been waiting. That's what we're seeing here is he's been waiting and he's had this desire. And this is before the fall. This is before sin is in the world. So we know that God designed Adam to have this desire to where when he sees Eve, he says, Hop, I am. You're here. And this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and he unites with his wife and they become a new family. And the man and his wife, they were both naked, but they were not ashamed. This is what's beautiful about the oneness that we see between Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It, it, it's, it's complete, it's holistic, it's physical and emotional. They're naked and they're unashamed, meaning they're fully exposed. They, they're completely authentic. They're completely vulnerable. And yet there's no insecurity. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no like, ah, they're good, man. They're naked and they're unashamed. In other words, they have what we want to be fully known and fully loved. That's ultimately the desire that we see showing up 
in Genesis chapter two. It's for that companionship, absolutely, but that's because that, that's almost a means to the end of being fully known and fully loved. That's, that's what they want. That's what we want. That's what I want, for sure. Uh, when my wife and I, Susan and I, when we started dating, we started dating in early college, and we dated throughout college, but, but towards the beginning of our relationship, early on, I was planning a date, uh, and it was kind of like maybe like our fifth or sixth date, something like that, and so I wasn't really completely sure of like what we should do, what we should go do, and so I was just sort of like thinking like, well, what, what do people just like, what do ladies just like? And I thought, dancing. So I was like, okay, we're gonna go dancing, and what else do ladies like? Well, they like people. So we'll go with people, all right? So we'll go with people to go dancing. I was like, perfect, I got it, all right? So I had this plan in place. We were gonna go to this, this bumping club that's closed down. It used to be called the library. It was insane. Uh, but we were gonna go there up on North Gate. I was like, okay, this is gonna be great. We'll have a good time. Uh, I personally don't wanna do it, uh, but uh, I know that she'll enjoy this because she's a lady. And so uh, as I was explaining to her this plan, I was like, hey, you know, we're gonna go. Like, oh, I've got it all laid out. Like, I've got, you know, we're gonna go meet up with these friends. We're gonna go, North Gate. We're gonna go dance in the library. Like, get that booty stuff. And we're just gonna like do it. It's gonna be nuts. It's gonna be nuts. And as I was explaining it to her, she seemed kind of hesitant. She seemed kind of like, Okay, like kind of like along for the ride, but I was like, hey, well, it, like, is there something like, is, is there something wrong? Like, are, are you like having second thoughts? Are you feeling okay? And, and she just kind of looked at me. She's like, well, she's like, well, like, what, what do you want? Like, what do you want to do? And so I had the first thought in my mind. I was like, you know what? I know I probably should just say like, oh, I want to go and just dance. You know, like I just want to do that with people and get froyo. Or like, I don't know, like I knew what I should say. And yet in that moment, I was like, you know what? If this is going to go anywhere, I got to just like be me. And so I told her, I was like, look, honesty, honesty policy rolling out right now. I would really just rather us like buy ice cream and like watch The Office. Like I would love... I would love to do that. It's like 8.30 and I'm exhausted. Like I would love for us to just do that. Uh, and in that moment, as I'm sharing it, I'm like, you know, this could go one way or the other. I don't know. And yet as I'm saying it, I see her face just kind of like, ah, oh, like <laughs> turn to like joy. And, and we both kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And she's like, that's what I want to do too. <laughs> and I said, hop I am. Like you're here. This is it. I said, thank the Lord that you are here. And we both committed in that moment. I was like, okay, we'll never hang out with anyone ever again. Like this is, this is it. We're gonna lock this down. And there was this moment where I realized, oh my gosh, like she knows who I am. She knows what I want. She knows the desires of my heart. And yet she still is on board. You know, she knows me. But, but, but she, she loves me. She wants to be a part of what I want to be a part of. And it's something that I've gotten to see early glimpses of at, at that moment, so early in our relationship. But we've been together 10 years. And I'll tell you that there are a lot of new things that rolled out that weren't as fun as ice cream in the office. And yet Susan has known me and she still loves me. And as I've gotten to know her more and more, there's wonderful, beautiful things. And there's also brokenness. And yet, as I know her, I love her more and more. We're seven years of marriage. And that's what we want. Man, that's what we want. And I know that you want it. Statistically speaking, I know that you want it. You see, in 2013, uh, Pew Research put out this study. 
and they were finding uh, that people were waiting to get married, that your generation was waiting longer to get married, uh, that the average age uh, of marriage in the 90s, okay, 1990 was 23 for women and 26 for men. And by the time you were getting married, by the time this generation was getting married, it was 27 for women and 29 for men. And so it kicked off this flurry of articles. And you've, there's been talks on this. Ben uh, Stewart talked on this wonderfully last semester, or sorry, last spring in Breakaway. But, but there was this huge, just flurry of, frustra- of articles and, and speakers and people saying like, oh my gosh, Millennials aren't going to get married. No one's going to get married. Like, marriage is over. It's dead. Like, it's doomed. And the institution is gone. And what are we doing? And it's just this huge thing. It's, it's nuts looking back and finding out these articles, you know, in hindsight. And so as people were writing these things, uh, you know, people are getting mixed up. And they're all mad. And they're saying, like, oh, I'm a marriage. And it's stupid anyway. And, and in 2014, about a year later, Gallup, another polling agency, they said, hey, maybe we'll just, like, go talk to people one more time. And we'll ask them. And they went to millennials. They asked, hey, like, do you want to get married? And they found that 91% were like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay, that sounds good. (laughs) 91%. In fact, for millennials graduating college, aka you, it's even higher. 95% of you in your 20s are saying, yeah, oh yeah, marriage, good. I want that. Like, let's, (laughs) let's, let's do that. Like, let's get that Let's get that happening. And the journey is longer, right? The, the, the waiting is longer and for plenty of reasons that we're not even gonna get into today. But the destination is the same, right? The desire is still there. Even though it's taking longer to get there, the desire to be there, I mean, it's, it, it's still there. The desire is there. And I'm telling you, it's from God and the destination is so great. It's so great. Genesis chapter two Verse 18, a little bit before that, we see that God designed Eve. He designed this spouse. He designed this very first wife, this very first woman for the very first man. He designed her to be a companion. He says, I'm gonna make a companion for him. And in fact, another way to to translate this is maybe helper. Uh, Another way to translate it is actually indispensable companion. That's my favorite translation. It's indispensable companion, azer, this figure, this term that God uses for the Holy Spirit as our helper, our companion, our guide, this, this, this one who comes alongside of us. That's the idea behind Azer, someone who comes alongside in an indispensable way. God says, that's, that's what I have for you. This companion, this boon companion for your life. And in fact, psychologists, as they've studied long-term relationships, they've found, okay, this is, this is secular studies. They find that the successful long-term relationships in our world between people, they generally involve this passion-compassion crossover. There's this passion versus compassion shift. In other words, over time, in our relationships, we actually, we increasingly value compassion and commitment over the initial just rush of passion, okay? Uh, this is perfectly illustrated uh, in the age-old love tale of, uh, I, I don't know why my clicker is not working, The Notebook, okay? Now, th- just for my benefit, I'm just, I'm curious. How many of us have actually seen The Notebook? How many of us have watched it? Okay, yeah, that's a lot of us, okay. 
I was talking about this with my wife, my boon companion, uh, yesterday, and she's like, I don't know if people watch The Notebook anymore. I said, everyone watches The Notebook. <laughs> it's never going away. Came out when I was in high school. That's why she had doubts. So uh, The Notebook, in case you don't know, just the brief summary is you watch a relationship from its very beginning to its very end. Okay, that's, that's The Notebook. That's the story of The Notebook. You watch a story, you watch a relationship from its beginning to its end. And what's interesting is as you watch this unfold, as you watch this story, this relationship play out, you, you see yourself, you find yourself at first cheering for these like young people to like lay in streets. And you're like, you should lay in the middle of a street. That's fun. If a car comes, you die. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, that's great. Good for you, Ryan Gosling. You're great in La La Land. And you see this. You're like, oh yeah, and we're cheering. We're like, yeah, you sit in that street. And then we're like, oh yeah, oh, you're on a beach. Oh, you should make out on that beach for sure. Like, and we're cheering for that. We love, we're like, that's the rain and the beard. And you're like, yes, like I wanna see, I wanna see that passion, right? This is, this is passion. And we love that and we're cheering for it. And yet what's so interesting is as we're watching this relationship from its beginning to its end in just the 90 minute span, we find ourselves at first cheering for the passion and the lay on the beach and do this stuff. And at the end, we're cheering for them. Spoiler alert, it's been out for like 50 years though, so don't worry. <laughs> we're cheering for them to die holding hands. We're cheering for that. So we see this need for commitment. We see this need for compassion. We see even just in our own hearts, even as we're watching this fictional story unfold, we're like, yeah, you know what? At the very end, I don't necessarily want him to pick her up on the beach and make out because, uh, but, <laughs> but I would love, get this, I would love to see them die holding hands. What is that in us? tell you, it's, it's an appreciation, it's a valuing of commitment and of compassion. It's something deep in all of us that knows ultimately, I mean, what I need, what I want, what I desire, what I want to move towards is a companion. It's someone who will walk alongside of me. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that you need to ask people out by, like, seeing if they want to die holding hands with you. Like, that's not... That's, that doesn't have its place at the beginning of a relationship. And, and there should be passion, right? Passion can and should still exist in long-term relationships, right? Absolutely. It doesn't just go away. But I'm saying that there's an increasing valuing of that, com of that commitment, of that companionship. In fact, uh, we have a m marriage ministry here at Grace that I love. It's called Merge. And it's designed for people that are seriously dating, people that are looking at marriage, so that you're seriously dating or officially engaged. It's designed for you to come and be in a community with other people in your same stage. And you're learning from people a few stages ahead of you. You're learning from leaders who, who are instructing you on how does marriage work and what are some good principles and how do you, how do you move towards it and, and live in it well, okay? And you can still sign up for it. You can go on our website right now and you can sign up for it if that's something you're interested in. But what's interesting is that as they were talking, as, we, as we've been talking with leaders, and in fact, we, we've licensed this ministry from a church up in Dallas called Watermark, and they've been doing it for years and years, and they've had hundreds, not only hundreds and hundreds of participant couples, they've had hundreds of leader couples. And they've asked them, they've asked them every single year, they ask these leader couples, hey, <coughs> what are some things you can tell us about marriage, about your marriage, about your experience with marriage? And they have a lot of different questions, but one of the big ones is about, hey, Will you tell us, like, what, what do you just love most about marriage? 
Like, what do you love about your marriage? What is just the standout aspect? What's the standout feature of your marriage? And what they find, what they have found is they, they got all these answers, they got all these responses, and they put them into one of those word clouds, right? And they were changed size based on how many times they pop up. I didn't do this. This is, this is just the statistics. Companionship. By far. What these older couples who've been married 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, they're saying, you know what I love, you know what stands out to me in this relationship? It's that companionship. Now, is friendship and sex and laughter and adventure, is that all on there? Absolutely. Did God design all of those other aspects? You know it. But this companionship, I mean, it's, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial. And it's wonderful. Because when you have that companionship, when you have that level of commitment, what it does is it creates the freedom for you to flourish. Right? A lot of times we hear about commitment in our culture and we see it presented in different ways. And we think that it maybe creates these restrictions on my life. That's my old ball and chain. Like, oh, goodness. You know, and then we have this idea and... That's just not true. It really is not true. Commitment doesn't just create restrictions. I mean, it creates freedom. Sure, you have greater responsibility, absolutely. And something we'll talk about in the next few weeks. You have greater responsibility when you're in a relationship, when you're responsible for another person, whether you're dating, engaged, married, every stage. There is a greater responsibility, and yet there's also greater security. In marriage, above all, there's this incredible security and there's higher satisfaction just from life. And this isn't just something that I'm saying. This isn't just something from the church. This is, again, the product of a secular study. A secular study a few years ago. They were looking, they were looking at a lot of different stuff. And they were, they were motivated by that Pew Research, that 2013 thing. And so they're like, we gotta talk about marriage. And so they started asking all these people about marriage. And they, they look into like having kids and cohabitating and dating and singleness and all this kind of stuff. And they pull out a lot of different steps. But one of the things that happened over the course of this, this article, over the course of this you know, multiple year study, is they were talking with individuals uh, at every stage. They're talking to people that were single, maybe dating, in the midst of that, they were talking to people who were cohabitating, they were living with their significant other, and then they talked with people that were married. And they asked them a lot of different questions, and one of them was, hey, just how would you rate your overall life satisfaction? How satisfied are you with the state of your life? And this was incredible. And again, this is a secular study. This is not motivated by faith or, or a belief in God or anything like that. What they found is that these millennials these 20-year-olds, these people that are just like you, when they were asked about whether or not they were highly, if they were highly satisfied with their lives, you saw this movement from singleness to cohabitating to married. And there's a jump. There's a higher satisfaction in the marriage camp, considerably higher satisfaction in the marriage camp. And just note, and we'll get to this in a couple weeks, but note, the cohabitating women went down from singleness, okay? Spoiler alert, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But we see higher satisfaction in marriage. I mean, this is a good destination, but recognize as well, the reason that I even bothered to put it up on a slide is that, you know, 
yeah, the, the top of the graph like ends right there because they only have it go up to 55%. But you know, there's 48% of married guys that aren't highly satisfied. It's 53% married women that aren't highly satisfied. I show you this to let you know that, yeah, marriage is wonderful. The destination is great, but, but disappointment is still there. Disappointment is guaranteed, in fact. Because marriage, it's not just the beautiful, magical end of your story. It's the beginning of a challenging journey in a broken world with a companion who will betray you, who will fail you. Because we're people. (laughs) We're sinners. So man, that desire, it comes from God and, and it's good. And it can lead us to the joys of marriage. But in the midst of that joy, we need to recognize there's gonna be issues. And it's the product of sin. A passage we're gonna study a lot more next week as we talk about singleness is 1 Corinthians 7. And in it, Paul talks about how, you know, when you get married, there are new challenges and there are new struggles in your life. He says there are gonna be worldly struggles in your life because of the marriage that you're a part of, because of this relationship that you've started. And I'll tell you, it's because you're marrying a sinner, right? It's because you're marrying someone else who has different ideas and who's gonna make mistakes and have issues. You're both broken people. Best analogy I ever heard, I've used it before, is a pastor up in Denton, in Denton, a guy named Tom Nelson says, before you get married, you're just one hand clapping. That's how he says it, he's got this draw. You're just one hand clapping. Says, and then you get married, He's like, oh no, like there's this, what's going on? (laughs) Suddenly you're bumping up against this other person and there's new issues and there's new struggles and there's new problems and there's new things to work through and there's conflict and there's, you know, whatever. There's expectations that aren't met and there's expectations that shouldn't exist and there's all this stuff that pops up. It's a journey, man. It's a challenging journey. Journey. The des- I mean, it's great, but, but it, is, it is difficult. And, and James tells us, he's not just speaking to married couples, he's talking to just believers in general. He says, yeah, when you're having these issues with other people, nine times out of 10, he says, it's coming from you. Like this conflict is your fault. He says in James chapter four, he says, where do these conflicts, where do the conflicts and where do the quarrels among you come from? says, it's from this. He says, it's from your passions that battle inside you. Another way to translate this is to say, it's, it's your desires or it's your selfish desires that battle inside you. I'll tell you, selfishness hits early and it hits hard and it sticks around. My wife and I, we, we have a daughter named Charlotte. She's wonderful. She's two years old. And Charlotte is about to be a big sister, right? She has a little brother that's coming. Uh, I will probably not be able to finish out this series, in fact, because uh, even though it's just four weeks, because our son is due like now. Like he could come at any moment. Uh, his due date's in a few weeks. But Susan is convinced, or maybe just wishful thinking, that that baby's gonna just come on out because uh, he's a giant. Uh, but she... We know as, as, this, as the sun is approaching, as our, as our new child is, is on the horizon, as he's approaching, we also have both, we both kind of know, we talked about it a little bit last night, we both know that a new game, an old game actually, is coming back into our lives. That game being uh, who can do the best at pretending they're asleep uh, when the kid wakes up in the middle of the night. 
because that's just something that happens in your heart. You, you love this person. You love this spouse. I love Susan with everything I've got. But man, when it's 2.30 in the morning and our son wakes up and he just like, and he's just like making, he's just having issues. <laughs> I'm telling you, even I know it's coming and I'm trying to guard against it, but I know I am going to fail and I'm still going to just do my best to just like, oh no, still sleep. And Susan's going to kind of move and be like, hey, can you, can you, and, and I, I'm generally a sound sleeper and that kind of works to my benefit. Uh, and, but Susan's going to turn, she's going to be like, can you, and I'm just going, oh, oh, still sleeper. Like, I, I, I know I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to do it uh, because I'm selfish, because I'm a horrible person, because I'm broken. <laughs> Because that's just what we do. We have these inner desires. We have these inner selfish passions. They battle within us and they cause conflict and they cause issues. And we fail the person that we've committed our lives to, the person wearing that ring that we put on their finger. I mean, we're gonna fail them. And they're gonna fail you because we're sinners. I mean, we're broken. And when that happens, when sin and brokenness enters, shame has space to come in. And we see that in Adam and Eve when after they sinned, the eyes of both of them, they opened and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves where originally they were naked and unashamed. Suddenly they look at each other, they see the differences and they say, they see the shame, they see the sin. They say, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kind of cover this up. I'm gonna shield myself from you. And all of a sudden you see sin drive a wedge right in the middle of that relationship. Right in between those two people. And I'll tell you, if your relationship is off, if you're married and, and things aren't right with your spouse, it, it's worse than just being single. It's so much worse have this relationship that's broken. It's like if you saw, you know, a classmate and they're wearing two shoes, you're like, great. If your classmate's wearing no shoes, you're like, oh, quirky. But if they're just wearing like one shoe, you're like, something is wrong. Like something is wrong <laughs> in your life. <laughs> and that's a marriage on the rocks. I'll tell you, that's a, that's a husband or wife. Maybe you've seen that. Maybe you saw that with your parents or with your friend's parents, or maybe you're seeing that with your parents. Where when that relationship gets off, when there's a wedge being driven in, something is wrong. And, and that relationship, man, it affects <laughs> every other aspect of life. And all of a sudden, what we see is, is an opportunity for great joy, but it also can lead to great sorrow. And some of us have been there We've walked through that, or we've seen that, and, and that breaks my heart. Please know that that breaks my heart. But there's hope. There's hope. Because ultimately, while this desire is from the Lord, and while that destination is good, and while that disappointment is guaranteed, I'm telling you what it's designed to be, all of that, all of that disappointment, all of that frustration, it should be a reminder that Ultimately, no person can complete us. Right? No person can ever perfectly love us forever. It, it just isn't possible. But God, 
but our God. Man, he fully knows us and he fully loves us. He tells us that in Psalm 139, he says, certainly uh, you made my heart or my mind and my heart, you and me together in my mother's womb. God has this incredibly intimate knowledge of who you are and he loves you even in the midst of that knowledge. And he's committed to us eternally. Ephesians 1 tells us that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and unblemished in his sight in love. He says, he looks at his children, he looks at believers and he says, I I chose you, I love you, I have a purpose for you and I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to be in this relationship with me and I want you to go out, I want you to tell other people about this because you are now able, because of the forgiveness that you've experienced through Jesus Christ that we see in Romans five, we see that he demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He says, I love you so selflessly that I'm gonna die for you. He says, I want you to tell people about this. He says, I want you to experience this love. I want you to experience this forgiveness and I want you to extend it to the other people in your midst. And you're going to need this type of love. You're going to need this type of forgiveness. You're going to need this type of selflessness if you want to be able to love your spouse well. If you want to forgive your friends well. If you want to move into these different relationships and genuinely know people and yet still love people, man, you need to be infused with the DNA of the gospel. If you have a forgiveness problem, it's a gospel problem problem. That's what we see in scripture. Jesus Christ says, you've got to know me if you want to know people. You've got to love me if you want to love people. You need to know and see and experience what I'm doing to have success in these other arenas, in these other contexts, in these other relationships. It says, mean, you, you've got to recognize that our ultimate desire, it's not just for a person. It's for our God. It's for our Savior. That marriage, it's great. I love it. But it's not going to satisfy your soul. You have to be moving towards the source of life. You have to be moving towards the God loves you before you're worried about loving a guy or a girl or moving towards some companion. Man, you got to look out for that creator before you love that guy or girl. You got to love the God who loved you first. Our God says, I I want you to, to have a relationship with me. And I've given you desires for relationships with people as well. Absolutely. And those are good things. But man, this relationship, first and foremost. And that's what's beautiful about marriage. And that's what's beautiful about this desire. So what's beautiful about this journey is that what it should do ultimately, and again, we'll get to this in a few weeks. Ultimately, every step of this, of this journey, every step of this path that we're gonna take, that we're looking at, it should point people to the greater, more perfect love of Christ. Your hope your, your dream, your goal, your desire shouldn't just be for you to have a great relationship that the two of you really enjoy. It should be to have a relationship that enables you to have a greater and stronger ministry for the Lord. 
a relationship that other people see and they say, man, praise God for what he's done in those jokers' lives. What God has accomplished in the midst of brokenness. And so this is where we're headed. Hopefully I will be with you for most of it so my son doesn't pop out early. But one of the things that, that Kevin and I, Kevin, the pastor of the South, one of the things that we've been talking about is we want to know where you're at. And it's hard for us, man. I've been out of the dating game for 10 years. Kevin, he started dating his wife when they were like six. And so he's been out of it for like 50 years. Like he's out, man. He's not in that world. And so because of that, we're like, man, we don't even, we want to know, we want to try to put our finger on the pulse. We want to know where are you? Like, what are you experiencing? Where are you coming from? And we want to, we would love for you to help us help you by telling us where are you so that we can meet you where you're at, right? That's our goal. That's the goal of preaching. It's life change. It's to speak to you out of scripture about yourself. I don't want to just tell you about scripture. I want to tell you about you from scripture. And so to do that, we have a survey, all right? And it's online and we have it as through SurveyMonkey and this is the Anderson one. And I would really appreciate it if you would take some time, if you'd spend just a few megabytes of that data or use your friend's phone who has more data than you because you can take it multiple times from the same device. It would be so helpful if you would fill this out of these next 80 seconds. The last survey we did, the average time taking was like 75 seconds. So it's not long. Now I will tell you, you're gonna get to some questions that are a little bit personal. But know that it is completely anonymous. I don't even have your IP address. That was like one of the, don't even, I have nothing from you. It's completely anonymous. So please answer as, as honestly as you can, as you know, authentically as you can, just so that we can know, I mean, where are you coming from? Where are you at? How can we speak towards some of these issues in a way that's most relevant for where you're at? So you just take the next minute to do that, man, and we would really appreciate it. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith, and we are so glad that you have decided to join us as we are digging a little bit deeper into the sermons, uh, and we're talking a little bit about what's coming up in our ministry. That's right. We kicked off a dating series uh, for the for the, our, uh, our spring semester. Oh, man. We're going to be doing four weeks uh, talking kicked. about relationships, <laughs> and it has been so fun to oh kick my this gosh. off. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's always fun to start a new semester, um, but to start a new semester talking about dating and marriage and sex and just mm-hmm. all that good stuff, man, there's really no better way. <laughs> I mean, Jacob, do you think college students are thinking about dating you know, relationships? You wouldn't believe it. Is that a felt need? <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Uh, but, yeah, I just kind of felt like the spirit was putting it on my heart mm. uh, to, like, start thinking about it. Yeah, actually, it was fun. So, you know, people know college students want to talk about relationships. I mean, it's it's yep. sort of, you just can't really, you can't help but sort of feel that aura uh, in from your them. 20s, in your, <laughs> right? Relationships, yes. You, you're they're in the mix, and but what I thought was so fun was we got a chance to do a survey. So we had a a survey for both of our rooms uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, 
uh, after the or it's at some point in the service. Um, and man, it was like I knew it'd be a lot of people yeah. that were like either wanting to get married mm-hmm. or are like single and looking into the dating world. But my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, what we found was <laughs> about 70 percent of both of Southwood and Anderson, about 70 percent uh, is single, which yep. kind of surprised me. Um, and there was like a – there was a – Single meaning they're not dating Right, so anyone. not in a relationship. Right. Um, now, I thought that was so fascinating because there was like a, a small section of each of those was like, and I'm good with right. that. You know, like I don't need – I'm not looking. Um, but the major, the vast majority of that chunk was like, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of on the OTP. I'm on the prowl right now. I'm on the prowl. <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Do you have this- <laughs> someone for me? Uh, right. Because, right, what we found was that in the survey, we also asked about, like, people's desire to get married. Right. And each of us, each of us, right. there was one person in each in each campus that said, no, I don't so, want to get married. So I had one out of 950 <laughs> students say, Ouch. no, I don't want that. I do not want to get married. These other 949 people may disagree with me, but... I'm standing my ground. And I think that person might come around. I'm going to try to win them. That's, that's my hey, goal. Hey, not everyone needs to get married. Uh, and that true. person has already chosen. That they is not for me. They've but, made the decision. But 99% of yeah. the room, I think, is interested in what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think 99% of the people in the room are saying dating is a priority. Yeah. And, oh, my goodness, I think about it. All the time. Yeah, it's definitely it's a felt need. It's something that it's it's fun to get to talk about it. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting because it's one of those topics that you're not going to like approach a twenty something and say like, "Hey, dating," and they're going to be like, oh, "I uh, I have no opinions on that." Like everyone kind of knows what they think mm-hmm. and what they want, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's a very interesting thing to get to speak into because I think a lot of times when you're unpacking theology or certain texts, a lot of people, times people are approaching it with a blank slate. They're like, "Yeah, I don't. Well, gosh, I've never read Jeremiah three. You know, like I, I'm not sure right. what I think about that passage." But man, as soon as you bring up singleness or dating or marriage, people are like, "Oh yeah, don't worry, I have like a." 72 point plan for how to secure my soulmate. Like right. I, I know, I know what's up. So, right. No, and it's going to be so good. I mean, and, and the, the truth of the matter is, as we look across both, both campuses and as we have looked at our surveys, we see that not everyone is going about the right way. There's some broken paths in this, in these relationships. And so we'll be able to talk yeah. about those statistics a little bit more and mm-hmm. use them in some of our sermons forthcoming. So please come back and, and you'll actually get to hear more about what you have said, mm-hmm. what what your peers have talked about in terms of relationship and sexuality and, and all those things. So it'll be interested, interesting to talk about. It'll be really fun. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was cool to just look at what we did talk about yesterday. And even though we kind of diverged in terms of our the paths that we took, we got to the same destination, right. essentially, right. which you summed up really well. Yeah. So really, we landed at the same point in both of our in both of our talks, and it's it's simply this, that seek, seeking a companion is a good thing. Like seeking to be connected is a is a mm. gift from God. And it, it Proverbs, it says, hey, he, he who finds a, a wife finds a good thing. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's not a bad thing to want to find a companion, but finding this one isn't the ultimate thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing. And so for, in both of our messages, we basically wanted to highlight that that if you're looking for one person 
to meet all of your needs, satisfy all of your desires, uh, make you feel complete and whole. That is actually a broken path <laughs> yes. in relationships. And and the first relationship to get settled, um, we call people to, and you may disagree, but is to focus on your relationship with Christ first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And it's from that fountainhead, fountainhead from from receiving the love of of Jesus that you then have the the unlimited resources of love and compassion and care through which to love another human being. And uh, and if you if you go outside of that, if you try to muster it up yourself, you're actually going to find yourself in a in a tough spot. Um, yeah. Because we're all going to find moments when we don't want to forgive, <laughs> we don't want to respond in compassion. But it's through the love of Christ that gives us the ability to love someone else. Yeah. Generally, people don't promise to give you everlasting joy and peace and contentment. If they right. do, they are a liar. Right. <laughs> that is not right. within their power. Right. Uh, but Jesus Christ promises it, and He actually can back it up. Uh, right. So it's, yeah, it's it's. It's a fun need to get to address, but right. I think what we'll probably come to pretty much every week is like, hey, don't forget this relationship is second. Like it's right. it's a one rung down on this ladder mm-hmm. um, compared to being right with God and having that relationship yeah. uh, set up. So yeah. we are excited to continue over the next three weeks in this series. Uh, we're also excited because we've got a lot of in our ministry just kicking off right now. We have our small groups, for example. It, right. It's starting up this Thursday mm-hmm. on uh, at 7 o'clock. So this Thursday is January uh, 26th, and it is going to be uh, kind of a launch, uh, you know, for all of our small groups kind of in a lot of different locations spread around um, either on campus, off campus, all that stuff. And, and if you are interested in that, you can go online. Yep. And sign up, um, and, and we will. We'll also have probably some people at our campuses that are there in case you want to just show up because you're afraid of the internet. But um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun getting that launched. Yep, it's going to be great. And, and the next one uh, is our summer missions. So if you're yeah. uh, interested in participating in summer missions, uh, we strongly encourage you. We got some great partnerships, and we send people all over the world. Mm-hmm. So we strongly encourage you to check us out mm-hmm. and uh, and learn more about that at www.grace-bible.org. Yep. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast. You have a great week. Thanks.